And I didn't really understand what that word meant at that point. And I, so I prayed about it. And I thought, how many of us believe this one? It was a good question. And I had no idea what God meant by this single word. So I began thinking about this word and why God put it on my mind. And one day we was having lunch in the pastor. And he said, first I want to praise God for a pastor that listens to God. Amen. And follows God's reading. Because we're, we're sitting there at lunch, and he goes, I really feel like God has given you a message that he wants you to share. And it was this single word, believe. Now as I was thinking about this, what originally came to my mind was all the times I've talked to outside of these walls. Not the people that sit in the church, but the people that sit outside of these walls. All the times I've knocked on people's doors as I was out witnessing, as I've done for 20 years probably, knocking on doors and passing out flyers. Other than the ones that just flat shut the door in my face, honestly that don't happen very often. That's not a big fear you have to have. People don't usually I can I couldn't remember one instance where they didn't believe in something. Whether it was atheist, whether it was higher power, something. Everybody believes in something. And it doesn't have to be polite. And this is the word that God put in my heart. The large majority of people that you come in contact with on a daily basis, every single day, will tell you they believe in God. Or they believe in God or a higher power. As I continued to think about this word and why God had laid it on my heart, God began revealing to me the reason. People will not make it to heaven. And this is why. Oh, why I don't believe in God. And I asked God, I don't believe in And he said, they can believe in me and still not believe. And I didn't understand what God meant. I'm like, what do you mean? People can believe in you and not make it to heaven. Let me start with the Every time I've ever heard this preached, it was about baptism. You know, the unit in baptism. Probably one of the most famous, one of the famous stories preached in baptism. We're going to start in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get ready and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got ready and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, an court official of Cadiz, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to the uh, Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah the prophet. Now this eunuch's sole purpose was to come to Jerusalem to do what? To worship God. The God he believed in. He was sitting in his chariot doing what? He was sitting in his chariot reading the word. All these things are clearly stated in the verses that I just read. Would you as a Christian have assumed that this man was ready to meet God if he had died at this moment. I would. 
I would have thought he came to worship God. He came to the building. He traveled from where he lived. He came to Jerusalem to worship God. He's sitting in his chariot, reading the word. What is not too soon is ready to meet God. I would have thought. Acts chapter 8, verse 30 through 31. says, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. You may be here this morning and just like you, you may believe in something, but just not fully understand it. You may do good, be good, and still not be where you need to be. There are two main reasons people today do not read the Word. What are they? Number one reason is time. I don't have time. We are too busy to read God's Word. We talked about this in Sunday school just this morning. You know, the, the world is falling away because we don't know this world. The church is letting everything slide because we don't know the Word. We don't have time or we don't understand we don't have people that will explain the word to us. You know, not understanding or not having time is not an excuse to that. Acts chapter 5, 35 and 30, chapter 8, verse 35 through 37 says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you had found, if you had come across this man today, worshiping, believing, and reading the word, would you have stopped to help him? Think about it. As Christians, have we come across this man Worshiping and reading his word. Had God told you to witness to this man, would you? Would you have been Philip? Or would you have questioned what you heard from God and went on your way? How many times have you been sitting in this seat today in weeks past and know that God is telling you to do something and you didn't do it? Because you just wasn't sure that it was God. How many times has God told you to go pray for somebody and you didn't? Because you questioned, was that God? Who misses the blessing? You or them? Both. Both of you. All because what? We don't know the We don't know God's voice. The Bible says, all of my sheep will know my voice. We have to pay attention to what God says. Even though the eunuch knew who God was and worshipped God, he had no understanding of who Jesus was. Until someone took the time to give him the understanding of who Jesus was. That he was the lamb that he sacrificed. And because of the judgment put on him that day, we can have eternal life. It was at this point the eunuch's eyes were open. And he understood he gave his life to the Lord and was saved. Our own understanding will not get us very far. But we, there's nothing wrong with 
with getting our wisdom from somebody else. You know, I learned from Pastor every single Sunday. Every time he stands right here, I learn something. Because you know what? I come ready to work. I come expecting God to show me something. I don't come thinking I know everything. Because I don't. I'm not really that smart. Of a never went to college. I never furthered my education past 12th grade. I work in a machine shop. The only thing I know is what he says and what this says. And to know what this says, I have to get in. You know, I can't just live off what he says one hour a week. I have to get in this word right here. God does not expect us to know everything. Now think about that. God does not expect us to know everything before we accept Jesus Christ. Just have faith, repent of our sins, and continue learning. Growing day by day. Growing each and every day. You didn't come out of the womb a track star. You came out crawling and then walking. And you know what happened when you learned to walk? You fell. What do you do when you fall? You get up, you bandage the scrape, and, and you continue forward. That's what we do in our walk with Christ. You know, we, we, we meet Jesus. We begin to learn. We stumble. We fall. We get up. Why? Because we're not perfect. But what are we? We're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can go to God at that point. But until I meet Jesus, I can't go there. See, the Bible says there's one way. What is that one way? It's through who? Jesus Christ. It says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. There's one way to God, but through me. You can't go around me. You can't go under me. You can't go me. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through that cross right there. There's a basket of names right there that's waiting to go through that cross. There's waiting to go through the names right on that cross. The only way those names are going to get through there is prayer. It's people praying for them. People lifting them up before God. And people knowing this word and knowing the strength that goes with it. One of the easiest things to say is hallelujah. The devil wants you to believe that one of the hardest things to say is I have faith. He turned my life over to Jesus Christ. So he puts blinders on us. One of the hardest things to do is to come forward to Jesus Christ. You're sitting in this room today. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you feel like that is one of the most daunting tasks to get out of that chair and walk through and accept Jesus Christ. It's really not. That is one of the best decisions you can ever make. It honestly is one of the easiest decisions you can ever make. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is get out of your own hand. That I can do this on my own. And to get over our own beliefs. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? 
Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ with tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore, just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I was sitting here last week and Pastor read them same exact verses, a couple of them. So you know what? There's something in there you guys need to hear. Because this message was already prepared. And I was sitting there and I'm like, somebody needs to hear that they can accept Jesus Christ and nothing can separate us. There's nothing in this world that can pull you away from the love of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Once you give your love over, nothing can pull you away. To take our sins, He died for us. God sent His Son to take our sin and cover us with His blood and His righteousness. It's not mine. It is His righteousness so that then we can go to the Father. It doesn't matter if I go to God before I accept Jesus Christ. I can sit and I can pray to God so I'm blue in the face and I will bust hell wide open if I have not accepted Jesus Christ. And some people cannot get that through their head that God is the Father but Jesus Christ is the way to Him. There is no around for it. it is through Jesus Christ to God. You can pray to God all you want and you can believe in God and go to Him. But it is through Jesus Christ that you will escape. Listen, there's a once you get a confusion is the enemy's top tactic. See, I was confused right there. That's what I got. Confusion is the enemy's top tactic to keeping people lost. That is why we have to get our minds out of the picture and what we think we know. Quit listening to the world. Quit paying attention to what's going on around you. If you think following Jesus and living for God is as easy as saying a few words, then you have not truly given your heart to Jesus Christ. Because when you do, it is a sacrifice of everything you're used to. Not just a part. Not just one piece. You can't, get, you can't accept Christ and say, I will give you this, but I'm going to continue doing this. It is all or nothing. It's this path or this path. When you come and kneel at this cross and give your life to Jesus, it is this road or Now we're going to stray. We're going to mess up. That's biblical. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect people. God does not expect us to do that. But He does expect us to strive for perfection. If you're striving for perfection, you don't miss it by much. It's one of my favorite movies on James Small, Miss Small. If you're aiming for perfection, you don't miss it by much. You will swerve every now and then, but you don't miss it by much. 
I'm going to give you another point regarding believing in God and why you can fail. And that is Cornelius. Turn to Acts chapter 10. If you've got your word with you this morning. We're going to start there. In verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Cohort. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and made many charitable contributions to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. When reading this, what would you assume about Cornelius? If you read those two verses, that last verse, what would you assume about Cornelius? Saved or unsaved? Saved. You would think saved. I would assume. We don't, we don't. Every one of us assumed wrong. We would assume that he was a good, God-fearing, born-again man that lived his life to please God and raised his family to please God. What it's a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, gave his alms generously to the people, and prayed to God all day. That's what it says. You know what it don't say? said he lived his life good and he prayed. That's what it says. What's the Bible say about living your life good? Good works will do what? Nothing for you. All that would be correct except for the born again aspect. There are a few things that I want to learn that I want you guys to learn in Cornelius today. One being the man led household spiritually. The ladies in here that have been doing this, I applaud you. The ladies are the backbone and the glue that hold everything together. But the key to a biblical household is a male spiritual leader with a strong female. Men and women God working together is an unstoppable force for God. They're unstoppable. What's the key there? The man. The Bible says the man runs the house. The man makes the spiritual decision. And the man carries the work. The man carries the burden the decisions he makes. Why do you think the men are grayer earlier? And Isaac. Because we carry that burden. When I make a decision in our house, we, we discuss that decision. This is, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about marriage in our, in our youth class. The man and wife discuss that decision. That's what we're supposed to do. But that final decision rests on me and my shoulders. Win or lose, succeed or fail, that's my shoulders. That decision rests on me. If it's a good failure, I carry that way. She does not. Because that's my decision. Should be the man's decision. And a lot of families do not run that way. The woman runs the household, and the man sits by and let her does what she wants to do. 72% marriages end in divorce. You want to know why it's not biblically random. It's not part of the message. <laughs> so, 
You want your children to choose God? Man leads your household. You want your children in church? Let the Father be in the church. Let them see the Father and the Mother put God first, and the world will come second. Biblical households run right, and children will be in church. As I look around this sanctuary today, I almost guarantee I can count more than, more than 20 youth age kids, 6th grade now. I have three in Sunday school. I don't know how many Sister Rosie had. How many did you have? Jeff. Jeff, how many did you have? We had three. So six, six out of at least 20 youth age kids. Parents, get up an hour early to get your kids here. Because the teaching that goes on in those Sunday school classes is the most important teaching they will get. Because it's one-on-one. -on -one, or one-on-a-few. And they have books that they can take home and they can study those books. Parents get involved in what they have. These children have Sunday school books that we send home with them to learn and to grow in Christ. Sit down with them through the week. Go through these books with them. And then bring them to Sunday school class. And watch them blossom. Watch them grow as people. What's the key? The men. If the men run the house, the men get the people work, and the men go to church. That's the key. There's nothing in this world should be more important than your child's life. Let's read on Acts chapter 10, verse 3 through 8. It says, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision, an angel of God who had come in and said to him, Cornelius. And he looked at him intently and became terrified and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and charitable gifts have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout leader and a devout soldier from his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to John. This is the second point I want you guys to see. Cornelius did not delay. Most times we fail to do what God says because we delay. And then what happens when we delay? Doubt sets in. And then we began to doubt, was that God? Should it be God? Should I do that? Should I not do that? What should I do now? And we want to Cornelius did not delay. When God spoke to him, he moved. He did not try to reason out his mind the best way or wonder if it was what he should do. He just did. I know that some of you in here have felt God urging you to come forward and pray with him. It's a gift out of 110 people. God is telling some of you to come forward and pray every time that man gives an altar call. And we say and don't. Why? When God tells us to do something, why do we not? I mean, what's the point of telling God, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to accept your son Jesus Christ, but I am not going to do what you tell me to do. 
That's like one of your children looking at your parents and going, nope, turn that TV on. Not going to do it. What would you do to that child? You better turn that up. <laughs> and some of us wonder why our walks with Christ aren't farther along than what they are. Because we don't turn that up. We continue to disobey what God tells us to do and when He tells us to do it. So when God urges you to come forward, you stood there. Because in your mind, you did not understand why. You did not want people to look at you. You did not want to look funny. You did not want to look weird. You don't want people to think you're having trouble. You don't want people to think you're not where you should be. Why? This is a church where people want to pray for you. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I've come up several times during the music. You know what happens every time I do? I'm surrounded by men that want to pray for me. They don't know why. They don't know what I'm up here for. They just want to see me succeed. And that's what every single person in this building wants for every other single person. is to succeed. Today could be that day. Don't, like Cornelius, there are some in here that believe God but haven't met His Son yet. Today could be your day. Don't delay because you haven't figured it all out yet. No, we don't have to know everything. We are not meant to know everything before we accept Christ. This isn't a building to come to and know everything before you walk in the door. This is the building you come to to learn everything, to, to just continue your walk. That's why he gets up here every single week to help you along in your walk, to teach you and learn you and guide you in your walk. That's why he has a telephone. Why I have a telephone. It's why Brother Jeff has a telephone. Why Brother Ronnie has a telephone. It's why Brother Brian has a telephone. So you can get a hold of us and ask questions. And if you need help, we'll be there. <coughs> Acts chapter 10, verse 24. It says, On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. This is my third point that I want to say Cornelius didn't know what Peter was going to say. But he knew it was going to be good. So he wanted everybody he knew, his family, his close friends, and all of his relatives to hear what Peter had to say. When you come to this house every Sunday, do you expect to hear something good? Bring your friends. Bring your relatives. Bring your close friends. Anyway. Because what you're going to hear him here can only benefit them in the future. Cornelius did it. He had a house full of people. Because he wanted and he knew what Peter was going to tell him was going to be good. It's time we all begin to be like Cornelius and bring together those that are close to us. It is great that those around you know you're a Christian. But it's a time to begin to invite them. It's time to do more than just allow them to know I'm a Christian. And to step out of your comfort zone and do what that sign says to Jerusalem. Go out into the world and bring them in. Acts 10, chapter 38 through 40, 43-44 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God was with him. 
We are witnesses of all the things that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he be revealed. All the prophets testified of him, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. While Peter was still speaking this word, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. It was at this point Cornelius came to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It wasn't in the beginning when he worshipped God, prayed to God, gave his own, and had his family there. It was at this point when he learned who Jesus was and accepted Christ. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you're sitting in this building today, be a community. Learn who Jesus Christ is. Come to this altar right here and see what that man right here is. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. You can believe in God all you want and still go to heaven. That was the words God laid on my heart. And it was every time before, every time I told somebody I was preaching today, and they would say, what are you preaching about? I couldn't hardly get the word out without crying. Because I know that this word is for somebody. I know that God laid this on my heart. And man, lead your home. Be the man that God means us to be. Be the spiritual leader in your house. You want your children to follow God? Be that man. Be the man that God said, this is who I need you to be. This is the biblical man that you're supposed to be. If you don't know Christ this morning, come and meet Jesus Christ. Assure your eternity this morning. There's only one way to make that insurance. If you're here this morning, don't let anyone know. The only way I can say it is if you believe in Christ and not Jesus Christ. As Phyllis and Shane come this morning, I want you guys to know that the altar is open. If there is any man that hasn't been to the altar in a while, you show your families that this is not a place to be ashamed of. But this place right here is where we should all meet. If you can't kneel this morning, sit on the seat, stand, pick up the hand. Just come forward. Be the man God set us up to be. As they begin to play, I want to pray real quick. Let's pray. Good Lord, we pray for you. God, I ask that you just watch over us. Lead us and guide us, Lord, in all that we do. Lord, I pray that you just touch them as well. Lord, we just leave them to you. God, I pray that you allow these altars to be open for your sake.